When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome back, guys. DGS 306. I have one of those days where I feel like I'm dreaming. Like I'm just going to wake up and go, I had the weirdest dream. I dreamt that we did the show. We talked about Norwals. And- <laughs> is, is the Prince bumper music helping or hurting? Uh, Neither. I felt for you, though, in the first hour when we were having very intense conversations about Israel and Hamas, and you were coming back with, you make my dreams come true. Well, <laughs> no, I get it. There's not to a, say there's, how we're going to start the there's show. There's not appropriate right. music. Yeah. We just never know where we're going to go. No, we don't. Because I never know where I'm going to go. Yeah. Uh, I know where I'm going now. Stairway to Kevin. All right. So my intention with all of this is to, to ease some of the tension. Um, just, just with all the crap going on, right? I've never so, seen you do that. I know, but I, I <laughs> believe it or not. He's going to de-escalate a situation? Believe it or not, I found a TikTok from a retired Marine who also worked as an analyst in the NSA. And he posted a video about whether or not this is all the beginning of World War Three with Russia and Ukraine and Israel and North Korea and the pipeline thing off of Finland, all these tensions that are out there. And it's a little bit long. It's just a little bit over two minutes. But he kind of touches each of these things briefly and explains why he doesn't think that we're anywhere near the start of World War III. Good. Is World War III on its way? Let's review some current events and see. Hezbollah, a Lebanese Shia Islamist political party, is also a militant group and has been able to amass approximately 150,000 rockets. They want to show solidarity for Hamas and strength for their people. So they will and are conducting limited engagements across the border but they will not push past the boundaries of their own limitations and begin an incursion into Israel. With U.S. warships nearby and their own economic crisis of triple-digit inflation, they know they would not survive direct engagement. Iran has come out in support of Hamas and has warned Israel that conflict could break out on other fronts. Simultaneously, they have conveyed a message of surprise and have sought to distance themselves from the direct actions of Hamas. And fortunately, the intelligence community currently supports this narrative, because right now you have the media and government looking to build a case for war. But here's the thing about Iran, and this goes for all the other Middle Eastern countries. They likely train more for their military parades than they do for actual combat. None of these countries have the capability to move their troops, weapons, equipment, or supplies en masse to conduct offensive operations. Their militaries are largely for defense, regime survivability, and for show. Now, there's one thing that could stop the invasion of Gaza. That would be the unequivocal surrender of Hamas. Unfortunately, they are telling their people to ignore Israeli warnings of evacuation to the south, and they are threatening to unalive more hostages with every passing hour. Moving to NATO, an undersea gas pipeline connecting Estonia and Finland was damaged and suspected of sabotage. And so NATO's chief said that if there's a proof of an attack, they will be met with a determined response amid speculation of Russian sabotage. Here's the thing about Article 5. It will only ever be unanimously voted on by all members. 
if there is deliberate and sustained destabilizing actions and activities directed at one of the members. There is no world that exists where some accident or isolated incident leads into a full-scale war between NATO and Russia. And lastly, and least important, North Korea. They are upset about the presence of one of our aircraft carriers in South Korea, and threaten the preemptive use of nuclear weapons. You know, because that would end well for them. That said, North Korea may detonate a nuclear weapon underground, because that's what they do from time to time. But they have no intention of ending their existence with a preemptive strike or ground invasion. Remember, it's about regime survivability. However, they did manage to send 1,000 containers of munitions and equipment to Russia. Someone needs to tell Russia that if you have to go to the Hermit Kingdom for help, you're probably in bad shape. Let me end with this. There is no distracting the U.S. Our combatant commanders oversee the area of their responsibility every day. And our forces are aligned appropriately to meet our obligations, operations, and contingencies. Unfortunately, the corporate mainstream media and some high-ranking professionals in the DoD will make it sound like we're on the edge of catastrophe. When we're not. World War III is nowhere in sight, but it won't stop people from talking about it. So he kind of outlines interestingly, right, piece by piece, where... Why did he have all those edits? Uh, because that's how he does things. He always does things in short little sentences, and oh, then he splices them. I know I do, too. Mm. But it's it's probably because he's not great at talking like, talking like we do, you know, okay. extended sentences, whatever. But uh, well, I mean, I've just never heard anyone do that. It's just interesting yeah, when you hear him go point by point. I just like, going like, I'd like to talk to you about, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Edit. Yeah, probably the uh, intelligence officer and him not wanting to have any mess ups, uh, even though it sounds bad that way. But isn't that, I mean, when you look at it from that perspective, mm-hmm. somebody that knows how the military looks at things, knows what the situations are on the ground. I had no idea that Lebanon was having such a horrible time with inflation and that that's kind of a restricting factor for what Hezbollah would be able to do from there. I didn't. I don't think we know. I didn't know for sure that all of the countries he, in the map showed Iran, Iraq, Syria that their armies are just. They're not built to invade. They're just there in case somebody tries to invade them. Um, you know, when you look at NATO and how nothing really is going to happen unless it's a long term thing. Like no one incident starts World War Three. That's built. These organizations are built to not do that or to not have that problem. And I also liked the little snide remark at the end about, you know, if Russia, if you're so big and bad, why do you, I like how he called North Korea the hermit kingdom. Like if you're, if you have to get stuff from them, you're kind of exhausting options, aren't you? Because World War III takes, those kinds of things take a lot. And I know we've all been talking about all of these things and wow, is this the end? But I just thought that was an interesting perspective on how a lot of these things maybe aren't what we think they are. I hope he's right. I do too. But it's it, it just when 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 you get somebody who clearly knows something, does he know everything? Of course not. He's not active duty anymore. He's not in the middle of all of it now. But when you when somebody understands the dynamics at play in each of the with each of the players in the game, if you will, you know, a lot of this is is why that whole idea, by the way, when we were hearing people talk about proxy wars, why that all makes sense. The reason a lot of those countries will support terrorist groups is so they don't have to do it. So not all of this is about religion, but it would be ridiculously unintelligent to say that none of it is, because clearly a lot of it is. And you did a a story, and, and we've talked about it before, that just statistically speaking, demographically speaking, the world in general, the United States in particular, is becoming less religious. Do you guys think that there's any reason to hope for less 
war, less uh, hating each other if the world becomes less religious? Or will, will you just find another reason? Hmm. Oh, I think we'll find another reason. I don't yeah. think that religion is necessarily like it's the catalyst, but I don't think it's the only thing. Dry. I think it's our human nature. I know from uh, our friend Amir, who calls in quite often, who is from Bosnia. He's a Muslim, a uh, very devout Muslim. And when he was in Afghanistan and Iraq and he was dealing with Muslims, the, the townspeople, he told me, he's like, Dave, these guys don't know anything. He's like, they they don't, it would be as if you found people in Kentucky who said that they were Christian, but didn't really understand anything about the Bible. And so he wasn't being mean. He wasn't being uh, you know, derisive. He was just saying, uh, when you talk about religion being a catalyst, most of the, the rank and file people he met didn't really have even a working understanding of the Muslim religion. Huh. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And he said, kind of what Kevin was saying yesterday, he said that most of the the ISIS and Al-Qaeda and such were, were more like gangbangers and that there were people at the top who were living the life who had very few beliefs at all other than money. And then they would recruit younger people. Uh, and, but most of them were less like one of our fighters and more like a street gang. That's what at least he and many other war fighters who I've known over the years said about Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, remember when we went into Iraq, it, it took like three days. I mean, they couldn't surrender fast enough to this guy's point that a lot of countries like this aren't built for actual warfare. Right. They're, they're built for internal safety. Right. So nobody inside can overthrow the government. So and, and I thought there's an interesting topic that he hit on there, too, which is the survival of the regime. Right. I mean, so the clerics in Iran, they might be yelling, you know, about the holy wars and things along those lines. But they don't really want that because then they probably end up being dead. Right. I mean, I think they probably know that the 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 educated people in a country know if you take on the United States, for example, they're probably going to take out the leadership. Right. Um, Korea knows they're not going to drop a nuke on anybody because they'll cease to exist. A lot of what this is is about propping yourself up to make yourself seem bigger so that nobody inside you know challenges kinda, you. You know what a really good analogy is? The people who are running for president right now who have no chance at all, mm. they're just trying to get people to notice them so that they become so that they have more stature. Yeah. And there are a lot of countries in the world and groups in the world who know they have no chance of being a world leader. You're not going to take over the planet. And they probably know this, but they're being noticed. It's a good analogy in that, like, for, use Matt Gates as an example. What he did to Kevin McCarthy is wildly unpopular nationwide and within his broader party. But in his district, it plays. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing. It's, it's, about, it's about protecting your position within your country or in this case within a district. Yeah. 
Welcome back, guys. DJS and KMOX. I've been telling you guys about uh, Run, Walk, Breathe, uh, Lung Cancer Connect. This is a run and a walk that's happening on November 4th in Chesterfield Amphitheater. Today we have Kelly and Allison here to talk to us about it. Ladies, very nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having us. And Kelly, you are a lung cancer survivor, correct? I am. So as we talked about in the break, just tell us your story and we'll jump in when we need to. All right, so my story started last year in August. I started coughing, which uh, came as a a big surprise. I mean, came out of nowhere when I started coughing. And, you know, you're in Missouri, so you start thinking, you know, it's allergies or you think it's COVID. So I took a couple COVID tests. They were negative, and I just kind of wrote it off for a few weeks. So I found myself in urgent care um, a couple weeks later, and— listened to me. They actually did a chest x-ray and said it was normal. So nothing out of the ordinary. Put me on albuterol and some cough suppressants and just kind of sent me home and said, keep an eye on your cough and check back in with your doctor in a few weeks if it hasn't gotten better. So um, unfortunately, it didn't get better and I ended up in my doctor's office. So over the course of the next I would say probably three to five months, I saw my primary care doctor multiple times getting diagnosed with um, GERD, asthma, and long COVID. I saw an ENT. I had pulmonary function tests done, and we still couldn't figure out any answers. So, you know, this after multiple months of coughing, I was very short of breath, um, winded. I couldn't really even walk up a flight of stairs. And just to kind of put it in perspective, before I started coughing, I was working out four to five days a week. Um, 47 years old, healthy, non-smoker, and I, I consider myself really, really healthy. And so when this started and, you know, it, it got to the point where I quit working out, and it was troubling even walking up a set of stairs. I just, I knew something, something deep, something really wrong was going on. Yeah. How did they finally find it? Yeah. So after multiple months of going through multiple phone calls and appointments, I called a friend of mine who is a pulmonologist at UMKC. So we went to college together And I did a virtual visit with him, and I told him my story. I said, this is what's going on. I did these pulmonary function tests. Um, I felt like my provider didn't really, couldn't really get a good read on what they meant. So I wanted him to take a look at them. And after our virtual visit, we did a CT scan. And the CT was, um, it was not good. Yeah, there was, there was fluid all in my left lung, and they actually, you know when you get a test done, and they're like, oh, well, it'll be posted in my chart, yeah. and like, a, like, check tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't even let me live, or leave the site. Yeah. They just said, sit down, we'll have someone come and talk to you about your results, mm-hmm. and so they, they were trying to get a hold of my pulmonologist, and then he called me and said, you know, this doesn't look good. It, it looks like it's lung cancer. And I was there by myself, and I wasn't expecting that news. And um, so it was, it was devastating. We, we all imagine this. Yeah. What was it actually like? 
to to be that person? Was it an out of body experience, like tunnel vision? Like when you heard that news that we all dread, yeah. what, what was that like? Well, for me, it was like, what? Like lung cancer? Like, you know, you, you think about the possibility of getting other cancers, but as a non-smoker, sure. you don't think you're ever going to hear yeah, the same. words, you have lung cancer. And it's 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 just very awful news to hear, and it's hard to process it. And so I, I've learned a lot since then, and that's anyone with lungs can get lung cancer. Are you cancer-free now? So I... I did get some really good news. So I've been on uh, a fantastic medication, um, and it's a targeted medication. So because of the kind of lung cancer I have, um, I have a mutation. I'm what's called ALK positive. I have non-small cell lung cancer, adenocarcinoma. That's a mouthful. Um, But we have targeted therapies, and so I take four pills in the morning and four pills at night. And they have worked fantastic at treating my lung cancer because when I was diagnosed, it was stage four. So it had metastasized to my brain. I had like 13 13 tumors in my brain. I had it in my liver, uh, my adrenal gland. It was in my bones. It was all over. It lit up in my PET scan. So this medication um, I take uh, called Alicensa, it has really... Um, been effective at treating my cancer. So the majority of my metastasis are gone. Good. And when I saw my oncologist a few weeks ago, we did um, some repeat scans, and I was told I have no current evidence of active disease. Good. Which is amazing. So yes. it is um, great news yes. after being on the medication, and I'll be on it forever. So yeah. it's a, this is... Um, Lung cancer will be with me. It will be a fight until, I mean, for the rest of my life. Yeah. But, um, you know. Could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, Yeah. it could. And, you know, with science, science is making new developments every single day. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, it's each year we're only going to have more treatments available to help patients like me. So to that end, that's why we're having this run walk. Who Uh wants to tell the people about it? Yeah, yeah. So we are having an event. It's with uh, the Lung Cancer Connection. It's on November 4th, and it's at the Chesterfield Amphitheater um, on Lydia Road, and it's called Run, Walk, Breathe. And it is the 14th annual um, event, and it's the biggest fundraiser for the Lung Cancer Connection that they have. So there's not a lot of funding when it comes to lung cancer. Um, it's something I know that they're working on. So this is generating um, the cost to to really help a lot of patients in the St. Louis area mm-hmm. um, to be educated and supported when they get a diagnosis of lung cancer. So for anyone who wants to take part because you're a runner or a walker or you've been affected by this, go to lungcancerconnect.org. Again, it's November 4th at Chesterfield Amphitheater. Thank you. All the best to you. Good luck in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. 335 DGS, happy Thursday to you. Does it feel like Thursday? Sort of. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It very scared me. <laughs> you weren't expecting Dave? <laughs> no, I forgot he was on. I forgot it was 3.30. He's like, ooh, we're haunted. <laughs> I like your sweatshirt. Thank you. It's a lot of orange.
It is extremely <laughs> orange. Yes. Yeah. It is yeah. loud and brutal. It's like a traffic cone. Yeah, you will not be hit by a car today. <laughs> yeah. I was so I, I That's was a protest sweatshirt. Actually like waving I so saw I was my wife drove to work today, but I'm like frantically waving to somebody in traffic trying to get them to go. And they were like doing this like they couldn't see me and couldn't tell what I was doing. And I had the thought, like, I'm wearing a bright orange sweatshirt. I <laughs> yeah. know you can see me through this window. Yeah, you yeah. look like you're hunting deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you and know I, that that's a protest sweatshirt? I don't know what that means. How old is it? Very old. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because it's, it's an Illinois sweatshirt, but it's got Chief on the front. Well, they had to get rid of the name Chief Alinoek for yeah, it's, well, all of see, that. Okay, so it's funny that this brought this up. Kevin's the one person that I didn't ask, but when I was gifted this sweatshirt by somebody who's had it for a long time and never wore it, because uh, they were too small for it, uh, they they gave it to me, and I was like, I, I don't know if this is like a little racially charged or not, because nah. it says like Chief on the front, and it's got the it's got the old mascot on the back that they had to kind of do away yeah. with. Well, at least it's not giant and orange. Yeah, well, that's the thing, and I'm not exactly, <laughs> I'm not exactly this, not drawing attention to out. it. Yeah. Good, Rich. Well, Kevin said the same thing I did. He's just like, ah, it's fine. <laughs> like, I don't. Th- I think a lot of people agree that they didn't need to change the name. Maybe change some of the imagery of how you do things. Like, don't maybe have a student dress up like Chief Alinawek and dance around. Like, maybe mm, don't yeah. do that nonsense. But you know, they didn't have to change the name Alinai. It's the name of the tribe. So. I don't, I don't think they had to change all of that. But I do think it was probably a good idea to stop doing the cartoonish, though. What do you mean by a protest sweatshirt? Just because though? a lot of Illinois fans are mad about it, so they oh. will wear this stuff to show their disapproval of the change. Out gotcha. of their way to wear, yes. you might say, a very, very loud and yes. uh, racially <laughs> questionable sweatshirt. A very large orange sweatshirt. I was pretty sure what the sweatshirt meant. But I swear to God, uh, when you said, oh, it's a, pre- a protest sweatshirt, I swear to God, I thought you meant like Hamas. Yeah, oh, me too. Like, oh, no. That's why I went. What the hell are you talking <laughs> no, about? No, 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 no. Hamas. Someone, well, like that's, what's, that's, that's what, what people are protesting on. right that's now. What, yeah. Like, I didn't, oh. yeah, no, you're right. I mean, these things can bleed together if you're not clear. I wasn't clear enough. <laughs> you scared me and Dave Murray. <laughs> 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 Dave, how are we looking? We're looking pretty good. We have another weak secondary cool front coming by this evening. Not much with it. Maybe a sprinkle. Clouds will give way to clearing skies tomorrow. Gorgeous day. Lots of sunshine. 68. Little windy from the northwest. All is quiet Friday night, Friday evening. Saturday, we're ahead of another cold front. So it's sunny on Saturday. It's windy from the south and warm it up to 72. Still really, really nice. 42 on Saturday night. That front coming through Saturday, late Saturday afternoon. It's a dry front. Sunday, gorgeous, sunny, and 65. Just some wonderful fall weather coming up. Dave, I'm planning my grass seed Sunday. How, how does that timing seem to you? Yeah, I, actually, I kind of like it because there's a pattern change coming next week. A uh, big old trough of low pressure developing over the southwest. We're going to see these little impulses come at us, and each one should bring some rain. And typically, they come in threes out of the southwest, and one of them can be a pretty good rain. That's way out there, probably talking Wednesday, Thursday, or Mm. Friday of next week. But I think this is probably a good time to do it. All right. Good, good. Headlines, Rach? Brought to you by Schnucks. Get your groceries delivered or use curbside pickup with the Schnucks Rewards app. So we talked about this earlier on the show with Chet Pleban, but it's worth revisiting. Former Trump attorney Sidney Powell has pleaded guilty to charges of trying to overturn election results in Georgia. This comes just one day before jury selection was set to begin for her trial.
I have no inside information, only the fact that I practiced law for 10 years and I saw it a few times. Uh, there is nothing that will change your mind like a judge saying, okay, let's pick a jury. Mm. And everything I did was civil. I didn't do criminal, but I did civil. But I did cases that were worth millions of dollars. And on a Sunday night, it was, I would never settle this case. There's no way. Hell will freeze over. And then Monday morning, they're like, okay, how about this? Yeah. Uh, and when you're facing real prison and you're not a real criminal, you're like one of these idiots, I would expect to see a lot of people plead guilty once they get to trial. And pardon me if this is like an obvious question, but does it usually happen right before the jury selection begins? Yes. yes. They wait to the last minute and then yes. the reality hits. Yes. The, one, I've only been called for jury duty twice and one of them was a civil case. And as soon as we were all picked and set in the courtroom, that's when they settled. It's the, wow. most, it's the most powerful thing that forces uh, settlements. Yeah. Yeah. The first solar SUV has driven across Morocco. It's called the Stella Terra, and it uses solar panels on its sloping roof to charge the electric battery, meaning it can drive long distances powered entirely by the sun. That's cool. kind of cool. That's yeah. got to be like a long-term yeah. Yeah. solution solution to mm. the battery issue, right? Because think so. one of the problems with it now, like I was thinking about electric cars, but like I don't or, want if I have to take a road trip, I don't want to stop every three or four hours or right. five hours or whatever and then have to I wish sit. they all all had solar panels. Yeah. Uh, yeah as far as an electric car, that would be great. Mm-hmm. So speaking of colleges and people protesting and, you know, we talk about the fact that it's a small percentage of people doing these things, but it's still happening. A University of Pennsylvania law school library staffer is catching heat after he was caught on camera ripping down posters featuring hostages in the Israel-Hamas war. I saw, did you see the one where a dentist uh, and his buddy were, were ripping down the same kinds of things and a guy recognized him as his dentist? Wow. And now he's been fired from that dental practice. You just wonder what's going through someone's mind when they're like, I don't want to remind people of the hostage. Like, what is what's wrong with you? Uh, I mean, I think there's just uh, long standing hatred that no one in this room can understand. Yeah. Thank God. I'm glad that I can't understand from the side of the Palestinians or the side of the Israelis. I can't put myself in that position. Uh, but I think that there is just deep-seated generational hatred that people are brought up on that we just can't understand. It has to be. Harvard is launching a psychedelics study. Uh, they're creating a study of psychedelics in society and culture. The new project seeks to transform the psychedelics research landscape by producing cutting-edge scholarship and convening f- faculty, students, and experts to engage in discussion around their far-reaching implications. I understand completely that uh, like the reefer madness thing, <clears throat> pardon me, and psychedelics and that the puritanical 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, uh, and the alcohol lobby didn't like it at all. And I understand that people can abuse it, and I understand that people can um, have a bad have a bad experience or it ruins their life. I get that. But it also amazes me that natural substances that we have now scientifically, medically studied over and over again and said there are th- great therapeutic uses for this, still get so much pushback. 
And there's such a difference between uh, buying a bunch of mushrooms in the back alley uh, and eating them and, and tripping and under a doctor's care for depression or anxiety or something. Uh, but I, I think that it really is kind of the wave of the future. And I wish we would open our minds a little more to that. Um, adding an extra cup of unsweetened coffee each day may reduce the risk of gaining weight. This is according to a study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Um, but the benefit was canceled if a teaspoon of sugar was added. Adding cream or non-dairy creamer did not influence weight. Researchers say that the associations were more significant among younger participants and those were considered who were considered o- overweight or obese. Hmm. So I wish I could drink black coffee. Just can't yeah, do it. Me too. I love it. I, I don't like do creamer. I, I used to be able to do it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, my coffee story, like my mom and dad, they were tea drinkers, and uh, coffee never appealed to me. And then I started working midnights at Mr. Donut mm-hmm. when I was 16, which is what you do when you're from South Roxana. And so it'd be <laughs> 2, 3 in the morning. I got the, the shaky legs, and we had all those pots of coffee, and I tried it, and I, I hate it. And then the person I was working with, like, dump a bunch of cream and sugar in there. And I'm like, oh, this is like hot chocolate. And <laughs> I'm a little better than that today, but I still can't do it. And my final story here, I'm seeing this story all over the place. Hitting the snooze button multiple times in the morning has no impact on sleep quality. This is according to a new study in the Journal of Sleep Research. Hitting the snooze button multiple times over 30 minutes does not make you feel more tired. For some, it might even be helpful with waking up. I miss those days. Validation. I miss those days. I haven't hit a snooze button in 30 years. But when I was a lawyer in my early 20s, uh, yeah, I was a big snooze button guy. And I loved it. Every single day. Do you? Usually just really? once, though. Just once. Yeah, usually. I hit snooze as well. But I kind of like it. Makes it. Me more tired. <laughs> I, and that, it doesn't, I don't think it has that effect, which is Do interesting. Do you typically go back to sleep? Sometimes. And sometimes I just lay there. But I kind of, I like to wake up slowly. Yeah. I don't like the boom. Let's go. I yeah. can't do it. I like so most of the time I'm just kind of half awake laying there waiting for yeah. the nine minutes to pass and, and go. To, sometimes I do fall right back to sleep. Dave, how about you? I When when I was on Good Morning America, you mm. had I never did a snooze alarm because that that was deadly. Mm. Yeah. You would. Yeah, I, I think I've told you this. I my alarm would go off at one oh nine in the morning. Ugh. And <laughs> I many. <laughs> Many, many nights or mornings, I would wake up and would say 107, and I would go, I got two more minutes. And I would fall dead asleep, absolutely dead asleep. What's the worst you ever overslept? Uh, never, because the alarm would would always get me up. But I, there were many times I would would get off work and come home and sleep. You ever accidentally hit the off instead of the snooze? No, no. I think there was an embedded fear in your head. Yeah. You're on such a schedule that you I've have done to that. do Dave, okay, they, it's time to get up. Did they pick you up in a limo? I know when it, I used to do stuff at CNN and, and uh, Fox, they would pick up their morning people in limos. If I lived in the city or close to downtown, they would have picked me up. But we lived out in Greenwich, Connecticut. And the only time they would pick me up is if weather was going to become an issue. Gotcha. Which kind of played into my hands pretty well. Yeah, Ironic. yeah, yeah the weather guy. Ironic. Dave's like, I think it's gonna be really bad today. Probably need a limo. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. All righty.
Top of the hour, we have Brian Kilmeade from Fox and Friends. He has lots of interesting takes the last couple of weeks. We'll get him uh, here live on the DGS. Rach, what do you got? A couple of restaurant stories for you. So I saw this on TikTok. There was a woman who refused to go on a date with a man because he wanted to take her to the Cheesecake Factory. And she said that that was not fancy enough. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know. I think the Cheesecake Factory (laughs) is pretty darn fancy, in my opinion. You can get out of the car. (laughs) So my question to you guys is, growing up, what was your fancy restaurant? For me, it was Moonlight in oh, Fosterburg yeah. was definitely like for our banquets and stuff that we would have at school, we would always get Moonlight chicken and mm-hmm. salad. And that was a big deal. And then Red Lobster was like the ultimate fancy yeah. place to go. When I was a kid, that was it. Because my mom loved it and we didn't get much seafood because my dad didn't eat it. Mm. So that was our big one. We're like, oh my God. Gonna go. We didn't really do fancy, and that's not a complaint or a judgment of my mom and dad because we ate we ate out quite a lot. Like mm. we would go to IHOP a lot. Strangely mm. enough, for all you can eat fish on Wednesdays, <laughs> <Okay>. really, <laughs> yeah. And then I would make the the syrups talk to each other. And my dad would get mad. <laughs> How did they talk? Uh, well, I mean, they had different voices, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like, what's up, Blueberry? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, Maple. <laughs> and my dad would put up with it for about 10 seconds. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we, uh, I, I can't think of ever going someplace that was, like, considered nice until you- I was in high school. Ponderosa was a little bit of a fancy one for us, too. I don't know how fancy it was, but I, to this day. I would love it. If there were a Ponderosa or a Bonanza in my neighborhood, I'd go three nights a week. What's the first, like, actual fancy place you went to? Not one you just thought you were, but the first time you went in, then you're like, oh, this is what it is. Honestly, the the fanciest place I've ever been is Capitol Grill. But but they make you feel super comfortable. But they come in and they have the thing that like scrapes the tablecloth clean. And they're they're just like, everything's in its place. And the whole time I'm just like, whoa, this is... I, I remember when I when I got my scholarship to Wash U, I went to dinner with Ned Lemkemeyer, who uh, had provided the scholarship, and we went to damn it, uh, I think it's where Capitol Grill is now. Oh, because then it was uh, Joe Buck's, and then it was something else. But this would have been back in like 1987 or something, and I was wearing a clip-on tie and a J.C. Penney suit. And I had never had a mixed drink, and someone at the table ordered Tangray and Tonic, and I'm like, yes, yes, myself as well. <laughs> and then I had turtle soup, and, and, uh, and Ned just loved me. Because, I mean, I think he liked me, liked me, liked me, but uh, just I was so small town, mm-hmm. and it was so obvious that yeah. I was wearing, you know, I'm getting turtle soup on my clip on time. <laughs> uh, but that was probably my... My fanciest. Nice. My first one. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.